0: From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is
1: the Ask Christopher West podcast.
0: Here we are at the Ask Christopher West podcast, hosted by my beloved
1: Wendy West. Here I am Wendy again. Wendy is
0: here. I knew this was going to be a blessing for people. We've we've been listening to what you guys are saying in the reviews. And without a doubt, Wendy is the star of the show, and I knew you would be.
1: Thank you, my love. It's <laughs> all very new to me, but I do appreciate the affirmation. I'll just keep going. We'll just keep doing yep. it, I guess.
0: We'll just keep keep doing it. Thanks yeah. for sending your questions in.
1: Yes, thank you all so much. I have a question for you. We recently watched a movie with our family, um, Titanic, mm-hmm. released in 1997, and we had great discussion with the, yeah, kids, the kids, so many interesting insights and just By the way, we skipped that one scene in the back that of the car, night. just we in case liked. you're
0: wondering. We, we did. We did skip that scene.
1: It actually relates to a topic that um, has interested you for a long time, which is sunken ships in oh. general. You know, I, I know that about you, and not yeah. many people would know that. Tell me about that. What got you interested in sunken ships? Or what do you like about them, I guess?
0: Wow. As a little kid, I was fascinated by archaeology. I was fascinated by studying uh, what past people did, past cultures, piecing the story together. I loved the story that a sunken ship told. I, I, I loved it. Okay, somebody... Somebody built this ship. somebody got on this ship. somebody sailed this ship, and the things that are on it that tell the story about who these people were and of course, then there 's this tragedy there's any sunken ship, this is not a happy thing, no. right so the ship is on the bottom of the ocean did they did they survive? Did they right. die? What happened um i don 't know it just tapped something in my heart of great interest in in wanting to know the story of people
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I remember. I was a freshman in college, and I'm trying to figure out my major. I didn't know what I was going to study. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my mom says to me, well, why don't you just study something you're interested in? And I remember thinking, wait, 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 you're allowed to do that? Yeah, really? I thought school was supposed to be boring. (laughs) I well, school was supposed to be like pulling teeth. You're allowed in college to study something you're interested in? That was so exciting to me, and I knew what I was going to study. As soon as I had the permission to study something uh-huh. I was interested in, I was going to study archaeology.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So I, I did. I became an anthropology major uh-huh. and then had a subset of archaeology classes wow. that I really, really loved, Yeah. piecing together stories. Mm-hmm. And I use that now as, as an analogy for the interior journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, going on the interior journey... In our own lives, it's like an archaeological dig. Mm-hmm. There, there are these pieces of our lives that are way down in there that might just be a fragment of a memory or a, f- a fragment of this or that, but in spiritual direction and in real a deep prayer life, the Lord can help piece these things together and we can begin to make sense out of why we do the things we do as an adult and why we have these patterns of thinking and acting that cause me and others pain. and.
1: That's a powerful image. Yeah. And there's something hopeful about yes. that, that something good can come from maybe something that you might see as wreckage or lost. Ooh,
0: ooh, ooh. You know, yes. Like
1: a sunken ship, that there's something that, Yeah, that, and positive. that's,
0: you know, what I loved, one of my favorite scenes in Titanic is at the end when the wreckage is redeemed in that heavenly vision. Oh. And that, that is a great hope. I've always thought of, one of my interests in the sunken ship is also, there's the tragedy, but then there is this hope of, of restoration. How can this be redeemed? How can this mm-hmm. be restored? So it is, a, it is an image of our own histories and our own lives and our own tragedies, There's hope, isn't that good news? Yeah, that
1: is great. Thank you for sharing that. That was not the answer I expected, and I had
0: no idea that that would all come out. I didn't know you were going to ask me that. that. Thank you, thanks, Wendy.
1: Let me ask a question that was submitted to us anonymously. Okay. Uh, The question is, I guess it kind of includes some statements. I'll just read what we have here. I think a great many people who support the sexual revolution, in parentheses, contraception, abortion, etc. Do so out of a genuine compassion for others. Mm -hmm. Often as Christians, we have a tendency to view such people as, quote, the enemy. Mm. What's the most effective way to engage with them that respects or at least assumes Mm. their genuine compassion? That's
0: great. Yeah. Is that it?
1: That is the question. Bless you,
0: anonymous person out there.
1: Thank you for your question.
0: I'm reminded of something the catechism says, and we'll, we'll put this in the show notes. We'll find the actual quote and put it in the show notes. But the catechism says that the church will have to pass through a final trial in which the faith of many will be tested severely. And the test of faith will come through a religious deception that promises people a, a solution to their real problems, but at the price of apostasy from the truth. That's the key point. And uh, I think I might even be able to pull out this catechism reference pretty quickly here. Uh, yeah, it's Catechism 675. Okay. Look this up, Catechism 675. That was a paraphrase that I just gave you, but it's pretty close to what the catechism says. So here's my point. I do believe, I'm not. I'm not making the... The statement that we are necessarily in this final trial. We might be. It's Mm -hmm. possible that we are. But it's kind of eerily creepy to me that contraception fits this bill so well. It holds out an apparent solution to a real problem. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the point, one of the points that this questioner is bringing up, that people are compassionate towards people who are suffering from poverty. And and uh, can't bring any more children into the world. Or it would cause severe hardship. That is a real problem. That is a real, real problem in the world. Or, or a couple who, who may be living in an affluent part of the world, and maybe it's not poverty per se, but one of the spouses has threatened, if you don't get on the pill or if you don't get a vasectomy, I'm leaving you. I've heard of these situations. These are real, real problems that people face. And we can, in a desire to be compassionate, say, well, come on, can't, can't, you, can't contraception be okay in this situation? Well, here we have to understand that contraception, which is the choice to render a sexual act sterile, is an objective evil. It's not just a bad idea. It's not just, well, in these circumstances, it'll be Okay. That means that there is no circumstance that can make something objectively wrong good. Hmm. That is a hard teaching because there are pressing, pressing situations in which this seems like an easy solution. Mm -hmm. There is always, in any difficult situation, there is always a real solution to the real problem. Here's an example I hold out, or an analogy. Drug addiction is a real problem. It's a real problem. And there are people who get AIDS because of dirty needles. Mm-hmm. That is a real problem. Some hold out the idea that in order to prevent these drug, well, they're going to take the drugs anyway, so in order to prevent even another evil, which is AIDS, the spread of AIDS, let's, let's hand out clean needles. Mm -hmm. okay that is an apparent solution to a real problem but i want to hold out and the church i believe wants to hold out that there is a real solution to the real underlying problem and what can appear to be an immediate and rather simple or easy solution can actually end up fostering the real underlying problem Mm. giving clean needles to a drug addict may in the short term prevent this person from from getting AIDS from a dirty needle. But as a policy, giving out needles to drug addicts, you are fostering the real problem, which is the person is on drugs. Mm-hmm. This person is on drugs. To give clean needles is to foster the real problem. It is true. There are women who are being treated abusively by men, and men are getting women pregnant through all kinds of abusive situations it could be an apparent solution to the problem let's not well let's at least get this woman on the pill so she doesn't get pregnant the real problem is that men treat women abusively here that's the real problem and to fill a culture with contraception is going to foster that problem a contraceptive mm. culture that contracepts is fostering the attitude in men that treats women this poorly to begin with so we 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 need to Beg God for the wisdom of his plan to see it clearly so that we can see that his plan really does provide real solutions to real problems. And as I've been immersed in trying to unfold uh, these ideas, I forgot some of what the question was. Can yes, you read no, that again? Yes, that's
1: fine. That, that was all really beautiful um, and insightful. I, the question was about we have a tendency to view people who are oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, promoting yeah, going, right. this kind of stuff as the enemy, what's the most effective way to engage with them?
0: Engage with them. Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. thank you, thank you. So sure. I think the most effective way to, to engage is through affirming whatever can be affirmed. Okay. And I think right away what can be affirmed here is their compassion to want to come up with a solution to real problems. Mm-hmm. So we, we agree, we, we can be on the same ground and saying, yes, this is a real problem. But what is the real solution? And then, then it's our task as much as we can with charity and clarity to unfold what I've tried to, some of what I've tried to do here is to unfold what is the real problem and is the solution we are proposing actually fostering the underlying problem? Uh, if it is, then I would propose it's not a real solution and then you know you know what the typical response is going to be, well people are not going to change that's not really possible men's cha- hearts aren't going to change the drug addict's going to be the drug addict well here's where the good news of the gospel really becomes good news that christ when he is let into these very very painful situations mm. can radically change lives mm-hmm. do we believe this a lot of people don't believe that yeah it's true. There are real solutions to real human problems, but we have to be willing to get to the root of what the real problem is and expose it to Christ. And I would say those people who, who just adamantly say men will never change, or drug addicts will never right. change, or this is never going to change, that attitude itself is, a, is, is what Jesus called hardness of heart. Mm-hmm. And I would say it is that, yeah, we're not going to change if we dig our heels in there and say we're not, or it's impossible. But even here, we can affirm, we can affirm, it is impossible to change these situations with merely human means. It is impossible to change these situations with merely human solutions. We are in need right in these impossible situations. We're in need of a savior. And wouldn't it be awesome if we had one? Mm. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. This is the good news we have to share with the world. We do. Yeah. We do have a Savior. We cannot save ourselves. Uh, I love that old commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> it, that's the human condition. We are mm-hmm. in need of a Savior. We have fallen and we can't get
1: up. Absolutely. That's really beautiful. Um, can I ask you another question?
0: Yes, on that note, let's move on to another question.
1: Okay, let's go on. This question was submitted by Karen. She asks, "How do you deal with conflict in your marriage? Any pro tips?" she says as if we are pros. Oh dear. Maybe? I don't know about that. But that's a that's a good question for a married couple, for any married couple to know how they deal with conflict and specifically some examples for us Mm -hmm. us.
0: yeah we could we could go on for hours and hours about this (laughs) one because we've had plenty of conflict in our marriage you know this idea uh, I do it too. people I admire people I go to because I trust them and I believe they and rightly so I believe they have wisdom to share that's all fine and good and I know people you know, look to us as if we have wisdom to share. And I think we do have some wisdom to share and that's why we're doing a podcast. (laughs) Um, so I don't, I don't want to dismiss the idea that we have some wisdom to share here, but I do want to dismiss this idea. You know, some people might hold as if we figured it out. Uh, we haven't figured anything out. We are learning as we go and we can certainly, certainly share from that experience of, of learning as we go, but yes, we're, we're a normal married couple who struggle and uh, have all kinds of tensions and conflicts and brokenness that we have to look at and deal with. Mm-hmm. So I like to say, uh, you know, we have BO like anybody else, <laughs> as if it needed to be said. It doesn't, I hope that doesn't need to be said, but no. sometimes, sometimes it does because, yeah. you know, we can put people on a, a pedestal sometimes and it's not, it's not appropriate. So speaking from the gutter... Of, of the broken human condition. I love what, um, oh, what was his name? He's a poet of the 1800s. I forget his name. Anyway, he said, we're all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. Mm-hmm. And and you and I have, we've been in the, the gutter of the human condition, the pain of being broken mm-hmm. men and women, a man and a woman, a husband and wife trying to love one another. But we we have tried to look at the stars in from that place. So from that place, I would put in, let me start theologically, and then I'll hand it over to my wife to to get practical. (laughs) Uh, Theologically, we can say that in each of us, let me speak from the male perspective and then the female, uh, in each man, there is a war between fallen Adam and new Adam. Mm -hmm. In each woman, there is a war between fallen Eve and new Eve. And we need to learn how to discern where am I acting from here? Is this fallen Adam that I'm acting from, or is this risen Adam? Is this new Adam? Is this fallen Eve I'm acting from, or is this redeemed Eve, the new Eve? And I think we can use that. I can use that as a kind of template to look back at our 23-plus years of married life Mm -hmm. and examine conflicts we've had and say, Absolutely, I was acting out a broken, fallen Adam Mm -hmm. in that situation. Uh, I remember one just two years ago, a situation when um, you had gone to visit your sister because her family was sick, Mm -hmm. and and I had a class coming up, and I was afraid that uh, I was going to get sick because you had been with your sister, her whole family was sick, and you had been exposed to the germs, and I'm a little bit of a germaphobe to begin with. And, and I thought you had kept something from me. Remember this whole thing? Yeah. And I went down this path of justifying my anger at you mm-hmm. because you didn't tell me. You knew everybody was sick and you didn't tell me. And we, we had this conflict, conflict, conflict. And I saw immediately, I saw, well, not immediately. That was the problem. But <laughs> <laughs> within, within about... Fifteen minutes into the conversation, I saw this is bearing bad fruit. Mm. There was the you and I, our hearts were not in union. They were, and they were going further and further apart. Mm-hmm. And because of a history of similar conversations that bore really bad fruit, I, I I just pushed the pause button. I remember it distinctly saying, Wendy, can we pause for a minute? Do you remember this? Yeah. And I, I said, Can we pause for a minute? And I just mm-hmm. closed my eyes and I said, Okay, Lord. What's going on here? I, 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 and, he, and I basically heard in my heart, do you want to see the instant replay of the last 15 minutes? And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, cr- I don't know that I do want to see the instant replay because I want to be justified in my position. <laughs> but I said, I said, yes, yes, Lord, show me the instant replay. And he took me back to the very moment when I started acting from what I've been calling old Adam. And in the instant replay, I saw it in a flash. I saw it very clearly that I was, that whole 15-minute conflict was because I started from this place of old Adam, broken Adam, and I asked you to forgive me.
1: And when you say old Adam, do you know, is there another word you could use for what that place
0: was? Self-justified uh I'm right, mm-hmm. uh, I'm on top, I'm not, I'm not going to let my wife be right this time. Oh. You're always, you're not always right, but you're often right. And this time I'm, I'm absolutely determined I'm in the right. <laughs> that's old Adam. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I had to recognize that's where I was operating out of. That's where I was operating from. And I, I, I asked your forgiveness. Yeah. I, I confessed where it came in and and the whole tenor of our conversation changed mm-hmm. from conflict to really wanting to understand mm-hmm. one another and
1: it was a moment of
0: grace it and was it pure was, grace uh, it was pure grace because because old Adam doesn't want it's old Adam doesn't even want to be told that there's a possibility that he's even there so it was an act of grace that even broke through to allow me to ask the question mm-hmm. okay Lord show me what's going on here
1: yeah that was beautiful that was a, a Redemption of a difficult
0: conflict yeah, that was. we had
1: that day, and it bore good fruit, and we didn't get sick. Praise the Lord yes. for that. Thank you that we didn't <laughs> we didn't get sick. A thing that I would like to share with Karen is that something I have found very helpful over the years, and and shared with Christopher, and you know, different people, um, you know, benefit from different things, but it has really benefited me to learn about temperaments or people oh, would yeah. say personality types. Um, I feel like when I look back at our relationship that a lot of the early conflicts, which there were a lot at the beginning especially, I think came from, in part, a lack of understanding of our own temperaments and of the other person's temperament. And by that, I mean just the things that are kind of most important and instinctive to our personality, the way we view situations that could be very different from the other, mm-hmm. um, and why we do, and why, you know, in what way can we understand and accept and even appeal to the other temperament, the other person's personality, um, which is not necessarily interchangeable, it depends on who you read, but I think they both relate to what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, temperament or personality, that comes from a willingness to acknowledge the way I see the world and the priorities I see in this situation are not the same as my spouse's, you know, in, when there's a conflict. And there there can be a, a learning to balance a greater understanding of myself and why this seems important to me and not to you and vice versa, why something seems important to you and not to me. It sort of makes it a little bit less personal, as if right. I'm being rejected, right, right. it's a matter of having different views on things that we need to kind of balance our own view with the other person's, um, with an openness and an acceptance of ourselves and of the other that I think has really helped actually to prevent some conflicts that would have happened.
0: And I want to just say to yeah. being married to you all these years that I have seen... This, a change in you as you've come to understand these temperaments. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a funny example of our differences that I, I, I find it really difficult to latch on to those temperaments and understand them right. in terms of the vocabulary, phlegmatic and, and uh, melancholy. I've never been able to really, I understand the concepts and I right. see the, the benefit of them but I, I, I don't relate to those words, and I've never been really—I still don't know what the melancholy or the phlegmatic is or the—what <laughs> what are the other categories?
1: Sanguine and choleric. Sanguine,
0: you know, those, I don't, I don't, I, those words have never really helped me. But the, the understanding behind them has been a great light in our marriage, and I've seen mm-hmm. the fruit of it in your life in, in accepting yourself, in mm-hmm. accepting me in our differences, and in loving our kids, mm-hmm. too, and, and their differences and the challenges that they present. And I I would also say here's where a basic principle of theology of the body has been a great help to us both, that our differences are meant to enrich one another. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our differences are meant to lead to communion, not just our physical differences, which are obvious in allowing us to become one flesh, but the body is the sign of the person and the differences of your heart from my heart, and your temperament from my temperament, are meant to enrich and bring about a communion. And if we can, li- if it's a big if, but to the degree that we can live from that place, recognizing your difference is meant to enrich me, rather than your difference is 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 uh, a rejection is a rejection, or your difference causes conflict. But this this is the fallen condition mm-hmm. our differences in our fallen condition do cause conflict
1: mm-hmm.
0: so what's being when we encounter these differences in such a way that they cause conflict mm-hmm. it is a call for each of us to conversion and that's back to that principle of am I living from old Adam or old Eve or am I living from new Adam or new Eve Am I digging my heels in to justify my broken humanity here, which does not see your difference as enriching in this particular moment or mm-hmm. instance or whatever? Or am I willing to get off my self protective, defensive, self righteous, self justified posture, get out of that posture and say, no, 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 somewhere, somewhere in here, somewhere in this difference that is right in this moment causing pain and conflict? Somewhere, there's something that's meant to enrich me. Lord, give me Mm -hmm. eyes to see it.
1: I'm having a little memory that I I would like to share with our listeners that relates to what you were saying at the beginning about um, kind of people maybe assuming that we don't have conflict or struggles. And there was a time when I was getting to go with you when you were giving um, like a two-night mission somewhere when we had still young children. In fact, I was pregnant with our fourth at the time.
0: So uh, I remember this, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was really grateful. I think your parents kept the three other yeah. children for us. But it was late in the pregnancy and I was feeling kind of tired. I was happy to go with you, but I, I, there was, you know, there were issues that I was struggling with. And one of them was just the feeling that, you know, people assume it's, it's all like I'm so, you know, much luckier than every other woman or I think that. I think that people would look at me as different from them somehow that I have it easier because I'm married to Christopher West. And and I felt at the time like, I just don't feel like dealing with people and their assumptions about our relationship. Mm -hmm, I I don't mm -hmm. want to deal with people kind of, I don't know, coming up to me to talk like it was just a tired kind of, I can't deal with it feeling. And so I, I said to you, I don't, I don't want you to introduce me. Yeah, I don't want I remember you to yeah. bring me up in front of people. Just let me pretend I'm just somebody in the audience of the mission and just kind of you know, leave me, lead me you know, out of it.
0: Did I honor <laughs> that or did I?
1: Well, I think you did, but I think the, the thing that was maybe causing a conflict was that, was that it was hurtful to you. Oh, that it yeah. was, it was sending a message to you that I wasn't proud to stand by you. Uh, you know that. Yeah,
0: that and it's. I'm again. I'm. I'm so often alone out there doing right, that work. Right. I was so happy to have you there, and I wanted to introduce you, but I wasn't there. I wasn't able to enter into your heart and what was,
1: right. what was best
0: for you. I was just thinking about myself and what I wanted.
1: So you know, here we are, kind of away for this special time, and
0: yeah, and I, I think that. there
1: was kind of a, a drag on our time yeah. together, a little like. You don't understand me. I don't understand yep. you feeling. Yep. And it wasn't till our drive back, really, that I think some graces were flowing in kind of yeah, being able that. to articulate where we are right now in our relationship. And I, I really was, by God's grace, able to see why that was hurtful to you and just to step back and go, you know, I'm not going to do that again. I, In the future, I'll always be ready to be introduced and stand by your side because You know that's important. That's something I'm called to as your wife, and I, you know, I'm sorry for how that played out on that particular. Thanks, Wendy. I
0: appreciate that. But I, you know, also I want to say I remember that conversation driving home as well, and coming to understand your heart. Mm -hmm. And there, there may well be a time in the future where you are in a (laughs) similar situation and don't want to be. Called out uh, in a crowd, so I wanna I wanna honor that too. That and and even there, it's I feel like here we are doing a podcast, but we're working out some of our conflict <laughs> right in the process.
1: Here, yeah, here live, demonstration. Li- right, live demonstration. Live <laughs>
0: demonstration. So so Wendy, here here's what I th- I think I'm even learning as you're sharing that story again is that, you know, old Adam, often shows his head when he's having identity issues, mm. and there I was, I was so proud of wanting to share. you with this audience and you didn't want to be shared with that audience because of where you were for me to have just say I'm willing to let go of that to honor you is legit as is in the other way for you to say I'm willing to let go of that to honor my husband Mm -hmm. that's legit Um, those are the ways that we find we there's a death involved there's always in conflict resolution yeah There's a death involved. But this shouldn't surprise us, especially in a Christian marriage where the cross is at the center of it, or at least it's meant to be. The cross really is our way to healing. The only way for old Adam to be transformed into new Adam, or for old Eve to be transformed into new Eve, Mm -hmm. is to die with Jesus and come over to the other side of that Mm -hmm. death. And there is a constant in married life if we're really living it out there's a constant death and resurrection we're always dying with the lord in order this is what saint paul says we're dying with the lord so that his resurrection might also be manifested in our lives yes and sometimes the death is not just a little dying to my ego here or there sometimes it's really really deep and really really painful if we're to love one another as christ loves the church there will be times in married life where you feel the crown of thorns getting pressed in or the nails getting hammered into your hands or the sword getting thrust through your side. I want to say to all the married couples out there who may be feeling that right now in mm-hmm. your relationship, Yes, this does not necessarily mean something is going wrong. Mm-hmm. It might mean something is going beautifully right. You're being taken into the heart of the mystery of Christ's dying because he wants to bring you into the glory of the mystery of his rising. Mm-hmm. And we can attest to that, that yes, there is death. Yes, there is a dying that must happen. But there's joy on the other side of that as well. There's deeper union on the other side of that as well.
1: There is. Yes. And I, I really I sense that that's a good word that you're sharing. There is a lot of suffering, conflict. I, I never like the examples when people say, "Oh, he he leaves his socks on the floor." Like, conflict is about way deeper things in marriage than tidying up, you know. And and these are deep, deep yeah. sufferings and, that can come up. And yet, just to be in, encouraged, especially that it's not a sign of failure. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of hope in that.
0: For all those out there struggling with your spouse's socks on the floor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think that's the problem.
0: <laughs> well, maybe, maybe the socks on the floor are actually kind of a sacrament or an outward sign of the much deeper inner conflict. You know how we <laughs> attach meaning to things? We do that. Well, everybody, thank you for your questions. Yes. We, we are growing and learning and deepening in our love for one another as we're doing this with you guys. That's, that's a side benefit that I wasn't necessarily expecting in this yeah. episode, but I, I feel, feel like we learned something more about each other. Yeah. If you guys have questions that you want to ask us, uh, you can leave us a review and ask your question right in the review. You can go to askchristopherwest.com and leave your questions there. The show notes are also there at the web address. Please do give us a review if you're enjoying the show. It helps us tremendously to give us a really positive review. If you feel that way about what we're doing, that would help us. And consider taking the free course that we're offering all of the listeners of this podcast. The course is called, What Do You Want? And it's based on those words of Jesus that start the Gospel of John, really trying to get us in touch with our deepest longings and desires. You can learn more about that free course at AskChristopherWest.com forward slash. Free course. Free course. God bless you, everybody. Till next time. God bless you. The Ask Christopher West podcast comes to you from the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione and production by Sounder and Key. As a little kid, I was fascinated by archaeology. I was fascinated by studying your spouse's socks on the floor. (laughs)